Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. My mind, you just wake up and go rake. Featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks. High drive, deep left field for Middlebrooks. Back, and that is gone. Third home run of the day for Will Middlebrooks. The trifecta has the Red Sox on top, nine to nothing. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. What up, party people? Another episode of Wake and Rake Podcast, part of the Believe Network, episode 8-0. And yes, recognize a familiar face. He's back, the great Will Middlebrooks. Just a couple days after the anniversary of your three-homer game in Toronto. Brooksy, the boys were talking about it in the Fantasy League chat, and we decided that we need to switch up our Wake and Rake intro because... Every time you click on the Wake and Rake podcast, it says Will Middlebrooks three home runs. Don Arzillo doing the play. Yeah. Why, why do we have to switch that up? Because we're tired of it. We know you hit three home runs in Toronto. We I get don't care. It. So the next it's time really we, hard to do. So next and time it we, only happened once. I think I only had two other multi home run games. So listen, April April seventh is is my day. Okay. Yeah. We'll let you have it on April 7th, every other day that we do a podcast. So you're going to listen to them over what I want. Yep. In my podcast. I'm a man of the people. Well, when they start contributing to this podcast, then we'll start listening to them. How about that? Yep. Ryan Wesner is going to love this episode. <laughs> We're talking Tampa Bay Rays because we have to talk Tampa Bay Rays. We have to. They're not. We got to talk about how I predicted that they were going to come in last place in our in the in the AL East. That was a very hopeful thing. I was I was hopeful more than what I actually thought was going to happen because I, every year I I count out Tampa in hopes that it's just a team that the Sox can beat. Man, yeah, we'll get into this. I missed so far. There's a lot. This is 150 some odd games left, but as of now, oof, swing and a miss. That's a great lead in into my question, actually. Okay. We're about a week and a half in. Some teams are off to slow starts. Some teams are off to hot starts. What's the mindset of a player right now? You're not thinking playoffs right now. You're not thinking anything. You're just trying to uh, wreck up victories, right? No, no, you're not thinking about the playoffs, man. You're thinking about uh, the next game, right? You're thinking about. Uh, this is still considered like getting off to a good start. It's tough this part of the season. Like you look up at the scoreboard every time you come up to the plate and you're like, Shit, I'm hitting 150 or like I'm hitting 400. And it's just a complete vibe changer. So at this point in the year, you just want to be getting knocks. You obviously want to be winning, uh, but getting off to a good start individually is huge. Getting off to a bad start for a week or two and then having to dig out of that hole and you feel like you have to get two hits every game to get up to like 250. That's tough. Now, when you're already hitting, you know, 350, 400, you don't go into cruise control, but you just, that pressure is just gone and you start just playing better baseball. So getting off to a good start is really important. So you're thinking about that for sure. Particularly young players, right? Your veteran guys, they well, know what they're going to produce, you know? Yes and no. I mean, sometimes these veterans will say if, for Red Sox, Rafi Devers, let's say if he had gotten off to a bad start, there's a lot of pressure there for a guy who just signed a $350 million deal. So 
the media is going to be on you regardless if you're making the money or not, because that's just the market you you play in is the nature of the beast. But um, like Kike, Kike has gotten off to a very cold start. He's made five errors at shortstop. He put a ton of pressure on himself um, because he's replacing Xander Bogarts in a market in which they didn't think he should be playing shortstop because he's a very good center fielder. And he kind of had that, I want to prove everybody wrong. I think he can play shortstop, but I think he just has a lot of weight on his shoulders right now because of the market, because of the situation, and that's caused him to kind of get off to a slow start. It's also baseball. He's a streaky player. He's going to hit 150 for a stretch, and then he's going to hit 400 for a stretch with homers. That's just who he is. It's a big difference, too, between going into the season as the starting shortstop and just kind of filling the void midseason when somebody gets hurt. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of lead-up. A lot of more yeah. expectation. And it, for sure. And that's why there's a lot of question now because Adam Duvall yesterday makes it, goes for a diving play, hurts his wrist. He's been swinging the bat like freaking Barry Bonds lately. I mean, his, I think his uh, runs created plus is like 335, plus 335, mm-hmm. plus or uh, 100 is league average. That's, that's how good he's been. His OPS has been like in the 2000s. It's been something ridiculous uh the way he's been he, he got off to a start so that's really tough for the Sox offense but now now it leads to all the boston media and the fans that well now now we got to move kike to, to center field hmm. he's your shortstop now who plays shortstop you bring in a utility player you bring in bobby from AAA who's coming up today to fill in uh so there's a lot of questions in boston right now regarding duval as of right now um it is 11.49 on April 10th, on Monday, April 10th. We still don't have an update on Duval because last night um, they they couldn't get the uh, MRI done. So they traveled to Tampa. They probably did it this morning. So there'll probably be an update here in a couple hours when, when all the media gets to the park. But I think Bobby comes up for a little bit, fills in as a right-handed bat off the bench, maybe plays a little shortstop. I don't know. Uh, I think they need to get a right-handed outfielder in that spot because they're they're lefty heavy. I don't want this to turn into a Red Sox podcast, so ask me another question. On today's episode, we are doing providing some numbers on what the pitch clock has given us. So far, they're trending in the right direction, attendance-wise, runs-wise, power-wise, etc. And then we're going to talk about some hot starts, some slow starts, kind of go around the league and figure out just what's been going on through this first week and a half of the season. Let's talk about the Sox just a little bit more. What can you tell us about your week up in Boston, in the booth, outside the booth, in the clubhouse, in the stadium? What's so been- I wasn't in the booth. I wasn't doing the broadcast. I was doing the pre- and post-game show the first two series. Um, Just the vibes around this team are really good. It was really cold, too. So you go from Florida to where it's 88 degrees to – uh, wind chills at 30 degrees for baseball games. And this was during the day. It was brutal. Um, the first three games of the year, they scored nine runs in each game. So 27 runs in three games, which is, I don't think that's happened very often to start a season, not in Boston at least. Uh, so the offense was rolling. Then Pittsburgh came in and swept them. And we're, everybody's like, what the heck's going on? But Pittsburgh looked really good. Brian Reynolds is a god. O'Neill Cruz, rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace is. Yeah, he didn't die. Or, he did not. He's alive. He's very much freaking alive. Freaking ankle, dude. That sucks because he's such a, you know, just part of that young core of superstars that's coming up. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He's going to, he's going to, I don't know the details of it, but he's young enough. He's going to get that fixed and he'll be back. 
hopefully it doesn't affect his uh, mobility since he's such a big shortstop. That's the only thing I'm kind of worried about. Uh, I don't know how bad the severity of the break, so I'm not sure. If there's lim- ligament damage and all that, like that's another issue, but it didn't look good. Um, but I was really impressed with uh, Pittsburgh's arms out of the bullpen. Bednar like, is I, I, Bednar's good, but they had other guys coming in too that I like didn't even know mm. and were nasty. Now, it was cold. That plays into it as well, but it was cold when the Sox were scoring nine runs against Baltimore every game too. So there was a lot of offense. Wynn was howling out 20 miles an hour every day. Uh, so the ball was flying. A lot of questions. Is the ball juice this and that? It's hard to tell when the wind's blowing out that much. I know when it's cold, the ball doesn't fly as much, but the wind overpowered the temperature, in my opinion. Um, I think the Red Sox are a fun team. I think they're fun. I think uh, this second time through the rotation, they're pitching much better. They were in Detroit. They weren't playing a good team, but Detroit also took two games from Houston. So <laughs> baseball just unpredictable. We know that. I think Boston has a fun team. I think they're like I said, their pitching is coming back around this second time through the rotation and looks much better. Thank God, the bullpen has looked um, about what we expected. I think there's been a couple surprises from guys like uh, Caleb Ort, who had a terrible spring training, and he's been re- doing the ball well. Zach Kelly, who's the guy who made made his first opening day, came up last year, made opening day this year. He's been like their most important guy, coming and going two innings every time, so giving them some innings. Uh, and then the back end with Kinley and Chris Martin, those guys and John Schreiber have looked really good. So um, lots of positive from Boston. A lot hanging on Duvall's injury today. So we got to wait and see what happens with that. But I think they're going to be okay. Yeah, I know you saw this, but MLB players with 50 or more defensive runs scored and 150 homers since 2016. Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, and Adam Duvall. Two of those players playing for the Bo Sox. Yeah, Two of them hurt right now, too. But um, pretty good company there. Pretty good company. Yeah. We you don't people don't look at him as like a plus defender. And he's definitely above average. And and, and he's not going to go out there and hit 280 with 30 and 100. He's going to go out there and probably hit 230, 240. But he has the ability to hit 30 plus homers, which so far this season, small sample size, he's been a god. Everybody assumes when they see a big, built, large home run hitting outfielder that he can't field. Hunter Renfro, Adam Duvall, those are both guys that are plus-plus defenders. Mike Speed-wise, too. Speed-wise, <laughs> yeah, Trout. Trout. He's a freak, though. He didn't really count. We don't. We can't talk about him with other people. Gosh. Yeah. Him and Shohei look pretty good. Angels are off to a nice start. They are. They are. You know, they... And then... They're doing similar I, I shit. I want to believe though. in them. I what? They're doing similar shit though. You know I was just I mean? about to say, like the other night they got beat four to three. Shohei had two hits. Yeah. Trout had a two or three run homer, and nobody else even had a hit. Yeah. It's like there's the Angels, you know. But I don't know. I think they're in contention come September. I do. We never talked about the Anthony Rendon interaction with the fan in Oakland. Thoughts? Um, you can't do that. <laughs> can't do that but i understand it because these people are in the stands and they say things to you they they would never say to you on the street because they're protected by a guardrail or the fact that oh he's not going to do anything because he's going to get fined or suspended which rendon did uh and rendon just kind of did what everybody always wants to do when a fan's calling you a bitch or this and that like why are you attacking me calling me these names because of a baseball game or because we lost a game 
Like you, if you come up to me on the street, I'm going to knock you out. If you talk to me like that, why would you walk up to a random person? And be like, Hey, you're a bitch. You I suck. Always, I always said the same thing with drivers. Like, you know how people flip you off because they're shielded by their cars. They're, yeah. you, know, you can't, but if, if you just walked up to somebody that cut you off in the grocery store with your and car, flip you them off, them, no. I'm going to choke you. Yeah, no, not at all. Like you might say something. I'm gonna something, choke you gonna and bury your off. face in the honey nut Cheerios. Yes. It it's happen. like it's like social media. Yeah. There's yeah. no repercussions. Like you you can't get punched in the face. I'm not condoning violence, man. Like, don't get on me and cancel me because I'm tell you told you I would put you in a choke slam in Publix. Like I I'm just making a point that people think they are protected by a guardrail or the fact that these they don't look at athletes as real human beings. So the one time that somebody snaps at you, you don't be surprised. Like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Why would he do such a thing? Because that's real life, unfortunately. And you got the best part is like a lot of people didn't see the whole video. Like he was at the front of like the front row, um, not on the tunnel, but like looking at home plate yelling at, he yelled at David Fletcher first and Fletcher just kind of shrugged it off. Like 99.9% of people do and our players do and just whatever. It's just some idiot being an idiot. Um, and then he does it to Rendon, and Rendon walks past him and calls him over. Says, hey, come on. <laughs> come here, I need to talk to you. And the guy's like, oh, this is cool. He wants to talk to me. Totally forgot that he just called him a bitch to his face. And then Rendon just grabbed him. People said, oh, he swung at him. I think that was just to kind of, like, scare him. That wasn't a punch. That was just kind of like he swatted at his – he tried to knock his hat off is what he did. That's where If he, he wanted to punch him in the face, he would have punched him in the face when he was holding him by his chest. That's where he like, crossed sure. the line, though, is when he – call it a swing, call it a – intimidation listen he, uh, he did it to like hit his hat whatever it was that was an open hand he swung at the tip of his hat to like knock his hat off to like just embarrass him it the line is when he grabbed his shirt you you can't you can stand there and talk to him and yeah. say whatever you want to say but you can't put your hands on the fan yeah, unfortunately like i said this it it's not real life so you can't i guess i mean it's frowned upon anywhere you just have to hold yourself to a higher standard because the league's going to hold you to a higher standard. But I do understand why he did it. And then God, it felt good to see somebody to do it. You know? Yeah. I wish fans got called out more for that type of thing. Cause I think the fan came out as more of a loser than Anthony Rendon did. Unfortunately, Rendon's the one that has the platform and Rendon's right. the one that's going to get ridiculed. The player's always going to get crushed for that. Cause nobody knows who the fan is. Exactly. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. You know, no. do I do I condone it? No. Was it dumb? Yeah, it was. But one hundred percent understand how Rendon felt there. Mike Trout has seen hundred ninety four pitches so far this year. He's only swung at twelve pitches outside the strike zone. Twelve That's out surprising. of uh, nearly two hundred pitches. That's an eleven percent rate, which is third best in Major League Baseball. Third. Jeez. Well, uh, like Robbie Grossman's up there. Robbie Grossman swung at six pitches outside the zone this year. That dude's just a discipline machine. Wow. All right, let's get into the numbers from the pitch clock, all right? So far, the average time of game is at two hours and 39 minutes, according to baseball reference. That's compared to last season's time of three hours and six minutes. So it is a 27-minute difference runs per game 9.38 compared to last year 8.57 so we're seeing nearly a whole run per game offense is up the ball's flying i know you mentioned that the wind was blowing out in boston but mm -hmm. people are commenting about it already that 
Are the balls? Yeah. So, uh, what's her name? Meredith Wills. She's a astrophysicist who does the study on the balls. Mm-hmm. Um, she put out a study on some balls she studied from this year, and the drag on the balls, which is the drag is air resistance, basically. Um, so the less drag, the further the ball will go. Uh, it it is lower from the last two seasons, or from last. We'll see from last season. Uh, but it's 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 like if if uh last year's balls were here on drag, this year's a little below it. But then 2019 is like way down here when everything was like launch city. So it's not like back when the balls were juiced. Uh, it's just below last year though. So uh, I think there's a combination of that a little bit. Uh, I think with the pitch clock, maybe pitchers aren't throwing as hard. I'd be curious to see uh, average velocity throughout with starting pitching maybe, or even all pitchers just to see because guys are working faster they're going to get gassed a little more and maybe they're trying to save a little energy or they're just getting tired. That could be part of it. Um, I don't know. Either way, it's been, it's been, I think the, I think the transition in the rules has been seamless. Yes. We have some violations here and there, but I mean, they're getting less and less and less. That's a combination of the players adapting. Uh, and I think it's a little more of the umpires having a, a little more feel in certain situations where, they might give an extra second here or there to the hitter because of, you know, this the situation. Late in games, this and that, which is great. That needed to happen. There's still not as much discretion for the um, from the umpires that uh, I think there needs to be. But it's working. It's exactly what the league wanted. And I think the overall entertainment value, the, the, the product of baseball, is much more watchable. This isn't, this isn't 27 minutes less of baseball. It's 27 less minutes of Guys standing around scratching their nuts and fixing their batting gloves and tying their shoes and mound visits and just stuff that doesn't need to happen, um, which was part of the game. And I understand why some people don't like it because that's just part of the game. But as a viewer, I, I watch every game of the Red Sox. Even when I'm home, I watch it. The product is better. It's constant action. There's more balls in play. There's more base runners because the lack of shifting. Uh the bigger bases, if that's the reason guys are running more, I think it has more to do with the the, the limited disengagements by the pitcher uh, that has more to do with running than actually the bases themselves. Uh, but just the traffic and constant baseball plays happening, you watch a game and it does it, a two-and-a-half game, two-and-a-half-hour game actually feels like a two-hour game yeah. because you're just like, it's the seventh? You're like, I always look up and it's like, I'm doing pre and post in Boston. It's like we do the pre post get seven o'clock game, show starts at six, uh, or the seven ten game. Pre-game starts at six. We're done at seven. I'll go get like a quick bite of uh, food from media dining or wherever. And I come back and normally it's like the second or third. And it's like, it's the fourth, fifth. I'm like, dude, what happened? I get, I'm like checking my box score, like trying to get my notes down for the post-game show. It's flying. And I just think it's, it's exactly what baseball needed. And I think you look at attendance, you look at viewer viewership, it's going up. That should tell you it's working too. Ricky Henderson would steal no fewer than 200 bags with today's rules. Oh, my God. Right? It's insane. Yeah, you're going to – teams – I mean, Boston gave up so many to Baltimore. I mean, They're Baltimore's running a running team over. anyways. The Red Sox are getting ran all over. They It, leave, it was they better It was yeah. better this last series. Detroit didn't run much. Uh, Baltimore ran uh, – even Pittsburgh didn't run as much. Baltimore ran wild. They had like five five steals a game. They're the mo- one of the most athletic teams in all of baseball, too. Keep that in mind. Up and down their lineup, they're young, and they yeah. can run. 
So Gunner, um, they're going to do that Gunner on everybody. Mullins. Yeah, Henderson, Mullins, uh, Mateo, Mateo. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. A lot of athleticism. For yeah, sure. Mateo's in their nine hole and just runs wild. Yeah. Attendance, by the way, is trending upward as well. Average attendance. It keep my small sample size, fellas. You know, we we know that. But right now, attendance per game is at twenty nine thousand eight hundred thirty eight. That is the most since 2017. So people are coming out to the games, not despite the weather not being fantastic. I was going to say, like, if you look in the Northeast, uh, there's still a lot of cold weather games. And normally opening day, sellout, it's great. But I was going to games in Boston, and we're sitting. I'm sitting out there with my with my host of the show, Tom Karen. And but pregame, we're like, man, there's no way this is like a a Wednesday day game against the Pirates. It's 40 degrees. The wind chill's 33. No chance there's more than like 10,000 people here. Like, why would they? And there'd be like 22. Mm-hmm. You're like, dude, what's going on? And that's Fenway. That's Fenway holds like 37,000. So it looked like the bottom section of the stadium was completely full. And you're like, what? It's a day game on a Wednesday against Pittsburgh. Nothing against Pittsburgh, but they don't normally travel well with fans or bring out the hometown fans. Uh, so I was, I've actually been pretty impressed with that. I think guys want to see the new people want to see the new rules. Yeah. Um, I think. In Boston, they want to see the new team because they want to have something to yell at if they don't play well. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm impressed with with uh, how many fans have been coming out. Yeah, TV ratings haven't been disclosed yet, um, and, and people are thinking, "Oh, it's the highest since 2017." But we had two seasons with COVID limitations with attendance. Well, in 2019, the average attendance was 28,203. It's more than what is that? 1,600 more people on average so far. So That's per game? That's per game across the league. So, Well, you got to think there's plenty of stadiums with... There's, uh, I would say that evens out. I mean, there's a lot of big-name stadiums filling up stadiums, but you got you got to put in Oakland, you got to put in Pittsburgh, you got to put in that nobody's really going. So that's, that's impressive. Yeah, nobody's really going to Oakland games yet. We'll see. So They're you're... not... <laughs> well... Maybe ever. Maybe Vegas is in the cars. I don't know. Yeah. You want to talk about Tampa? Nine and zero, best run differential through their first Plus nine games. Fifty-seven. Since I just the, tweeted that. I was since, like, "How is this real?" Since the eighteen hundreds, we haven't seen a team with a better run difference differential through their first nine games of the year. They're destroying Listen. teams, but they've played the Tigers, the Nationals, and the Oakland A's. Arguably, the expected. I don't care. The worst team in baseball can play the best team in baseball and get swept. They can. They can. That's I understand. Yes, they're they're bad for a reason, but you still got to beat them. And they're not just beating them; they beat everybody by at least four runs. Mm -hmm. They're dismantling teams. I think they won eleven nothing yesterday to go nine and zero. Yeah, against James Caprillion was on the mound. He's a good pitcher. Exactly. He's He's got good good stuff. Yeah, they've hit more home runs and they've allowed runs. Jeez. Not, not, not. Oh, let me restate. Let me say that again. I did not say they've scored more runs than they've allowed. They've hit more home runs than runs allowed. That's Earn not- runs, runs, doesn't matter. They've hit more home runs. That's insanity. That doesn't happen. And this isn't a team you look at their lineup and you're like, they got some boppers. No, it's like, no, they got a scrappy team. They are crushing people. Now they're hot. It's April. They're they're hot right now. They're, they're not going to go 162 and 0. Be pretty sick if they did. But they're. I don't even know if they win 100 games. 
they're just hot right now. Uh, but man, you ride that way. That's part of baseball too, is confidence and like how you feel that day. Well, when you're winning games like this, boop, 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 you're just riding that wave. And that wave's a lot easier to ride when when you're when you're this good. Because you go to the field and you're like, we're gonna win. That's half the battle when you show up in the big leagues and you're like, dub, we're going to win. You just want to rack up as many victories as you can early on, too. So if nothing else, Dude, you're helping base, That's the thing with later. baseball. Is it Baseball is a coin flip most of the time. It's a coin flip. That's why baseball betting is so hard. And the best uh, betting analysts or best, I don't know what you call them, whatever, the sharks, the professional bettors, like what, they're like 54% is like good. Because it's a flip of a coin, the best pitcher in baseball could be out there and just throw a dud, or 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 go six shutty, punch out eleven, and give up a walk, a jam shot, dribbler, two guys on, boom, one bad pitch, three run homer, you lose. Mm -hmm. So it's like that's what's crazy with baseball is you can do everything right and lose. So th the fact that they're nine and zero and with that run differential, the way they're winning. It's just not real, man. That's crazy. And and to so our buddy Ryan Wesner, man, I, he's been all over me because I predicted that they would take a step back. Um, so I I can eat that crow. I get it. Like early, it's early. It is early, and a lot of stuff could happen. But I would. I, it's going to be hard to picture them going where I said they were going to go this year. And I don't think that any of this has to do with analytics. I think they're just outplaying people. I think their players are overperforming right now. But that's what good teams do is they overperform. Um, and and that prediction of them finishing last in the AL East was more hopeful than anything because every year I count them out or had them just missing the playoffs and they end up second in the division. You know, it's just – it's frustrating. So I was more hopeful for the Red Sox that Tampa wasn't going to be good. They have a team OPS of 967. Paul Goldschmidt won the MVP last year at 960. So they have like a, a combined team MVP one through nine right now through the first <laughs> AL MVP, Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And in a <laughs> rotation, like Jeffrey Springs hasn't given up a run this year. Uh, Drew Rasmussen like... hasn't given up a run this year. McClanahan's given up two earned runs Stakes. this year. Stakes. <laughs> Loser. Yeah. Move him to the bullpen. He gave up runs. But I've also never felt more confident about a top prospect because everybody's so highly touted and, Oh, he's a top five prospect. He's going to be great. He has all these tools. I've never felt more confident about a top prospect than Juan Franco because of Tampa Bay's resume, their front office. They don't pay players. They don't pay them. If they pay, pay, well, after, well, last year he was hurt. He didn't play well. And I was like, no way did they miss on this guy? No, no. But, but this year, Oh my goodness. He played 70 games his rookie year. And that was enough for Tampa Bay to be like, yep, here's 250. They also pay him based off of what they saw in the minor leagues too. It's like, because he, you see him developing. So you can pretty much say like, that's the player we're going to get. Obviously the big league is a different beast. And you want to see a kid at 20 years old, 21 years old to continue to develop and see if they can handle the big leagues. There's been plenty of big prospects that got to the big leagues and didn't do anything. So but to your point, they don't pay people. And the fact that they dropped two hundred million on them gotta mean something. They have a guy named Tyler Glasnow who could be coming back here shortly, too. They, I know they don't need him. Trade him. <laughs> Easy. I know the injury history, I know, but just you know, reinforcements could be on the way. Reinforcements.
talked about the Angels. They're off to a five and four start. The Rangers are off to a five and four start. Mets fans are going to be Mets fans and overreact to their five and five start. One thing that concerned me with the Mets is that sometimes Francisco Lindor can be a little too pull happy. Right now, he leads all of Major League Baseball with a 60% pull rate. That's how he oh. got out of his slump a year ago. Was he right? To go he the probably other way. and he probably isn't as quick to get out of that approach just because there's not three infielders on that side. So he's probably thinking like I can continue to get some knocks that I wouldn't have gotten last year or the year before. Yeah. So, but to your point, yeah, he needs to get back to left center middle of the field, and he seems to lock it in when he's doing that. Joey Gallo is hot, by the way. Speaking of pole guys, good three homers. That's nice. He's due for a good year. Trevino told us on the pod he was like, "Nothing changes with Joey. Like he's the same guy. It's just the hits weren't coming for him." Yeah, but I mean, at some point that gets in your head. Like, yeah, he's human. We, <laughs> they're all human. You know, guys like Mike Trout aren't everywhere, and that's why Mike Trout special is. If he has a bad week, it's like that's it. Like. He doesn't have those prolonged slumps because he'll still get two walks Mm -hmm. and end up being one for two with a double. And it's like, for your confidence, all of a sudden, just looking and seeing that on the box score, you feel better about it and it digs you out. Going back to the Angels real quick, too. I think this is, you might have hit on this before. This is probably their best starting rotation that they've had in the greater half of a decade. Sandoval's looked fantastic. He's really good. Reed Detmer's velocity is up. By Dude, his two, curveball's filthy. By two ticks. So his average velocity last year, about 93 and a half. Now it's up over 95. And you mentioned the curveball, too. I know the numbers and production isn't quite there through his first two starts. Nine and Yeah, but like all four of his pitches, turn. it looked really yes. good. Yeah, without a doubt. I don't have his expected numbers up here, but I would imagine they're looking pretty good. Like he, he's kind of turning a corner, I think. Um, Tyler Anderson... Sandoval, Otani, Otani's looked ridiculous as expected. He's, he's on, yeah. I mean, he's on MVP track again. But their bullpen has just shit the bed. The right. um, Jaime Bria, 5-4-0 ERA. Herget has looked terrible. And I'm sure you saw. That's a human glitch, right? Herget? Yeah. Don't they call him the Is that his the, I think they call him, I think pitching ninja calls him the human glitch. Mm. It didn't. That's the one that like is herky jerky sidearm. Like yeah, yeah, that's him. Did you see their minor league team? Their double A minor league team? No. They threw a. It was a seven inning. Oh, that was them. Okay, I know where you're going. (laughs) Against Chattanooga, the Rocket City Trash Pandas. That's their actual double A affiliate name. That's amazing. And And they played the Chattanooga Lookouts. They threw a seven inning no hitter. It was a seven inning game. They Chattanooga, Chattanooga Lookouts did not get a single hit. They scored seven runs. They won the game seven to five. Was it like five walks, wild pitches, hit by pitches, error in center errors, field, two errors? Yeah, error in center field brought home three runs. There was at least four or five hit by pitches. Look, man, every year things happen in baseball. We go. I've never seen that before. And that's why I love this sport. It's like, you just don't know when you show up to the ballpark, something's going to happen. And you're like, like rarely does a game go by, even as a player where you'd be like, don't have the thought of 
Has that ever happened before? <laughs> I love it, man. That's nuts. Yeah, and a lot of people think, oh, these new rules, it's taken away from nuance of the game now, dude. Like you gotta you gotta look up hold on. Okay. So Brandon McCarthy, who I got my first career hit against. I worked out with him off season. I've I've played against him forever. Uh believe he's in the front office with the Rangers now. So he he tweeted and there was a writer that did, did a story on this and, and posted it uh, with that box score from the trash pandas and, and the lookouts from that game. And Brandon McCarthy said, I'm reading his tweet. I'll send it to you so you can throw it up. Once during BP, I walked up to Andy. So Andy is uh, this guy named Andy Hawkins. Um, let's see. He, I'm going to get this right. Um I'm pretty sure he 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 was a pitcher. He threw a no hit no hitter and lost. And it like I think it was the first time it ever the only time it's ever happened in the big leagues. So Brandon McCarthy, once during BP, I walked up to Andy and out of curiosity in the moment, asked him, Has anyone ever thrown a no no and lost in the big leagues? And Andy looked at him and said, Are you fucking kidding me? He replied and walked away. I had no idea the only person on earth to do it is the person I chose to ask. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's brutal. How good is that? Yeah. That's so Brandon McCarthy too. Like genuinely was just like had a thought and went up to this guy who was one of their pitching coaches and was, Hey, yeah, has this ever happened? And the guy just told him to F off and walked away. And he was so confused later to find out that's the only guy that's ever done it. Uh, what are the chances? Yeah. Well, the reds too, because Hunter green, it was a combined no hitter. It was combined last year. And yeah, Chattanooga is the reds double A affiliate. Right. <laughs> so they, yeah. So no hit scoring runs apparently is a thing with the Cincinnati Reds. Ben Joyce, by the way, who you remember from University of Tennessee, he was on the bump for the Trash Pandas when the first few walks he got taken out mid inning. But then the error in center field that led to three run scoring. Ben Joyce was on the hill. You gotta wonder if that guy's gonna like figure it out and not just be a guy that throws hard. He throws hard. That's for dance. Yes, he does. What do you think of Milwaukee at seven and two? Um, I was down on them. It's young guys. Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang. I don't think it's just, I don't think they sustain it. Yeah. I, I don't think the Cardinals slow start is going to stay that way either. I think they're a much better team. Um, I think the Cardinals, I think the Cubs are going to be better than we think. I think the Brewers are going to be worse than we think. And I think the Cardinals are going to be exactly who we thought they were. I'm standing. I'm standing by that. And I also haven't watched much of Milwaukee, so I can't really talk much on on their team. Yeah. If we're being honest, like it's not like Yelich is really balling out. He's hitting two fifty seven. He has one long ball. Brian Anderson. Yeah, I just saw has, Homer. Brian Anderson has a twelve twenty six OPS. I've always been a big BA fan, actually. I, I really like liked him Miami. when he came up in Miami. Yeah. Yes, he's talented. He's got a lot of tools, man. Is he playing third base for them? Like, is yeah. he going to have the 1200 OPS throughout the season? Probably not. Garrett Mitchell. No, but if it's eight, but a, if it's eight, 800 plus, 850, yeah. it's like, that's, uh, that's a win. And that's what Milwaukee does. Like, they go and get your Rowdy Telezes. They go, um, they kind of get the scraps and they do a good job of it. That's what they typically do on a year to year basis. Garrett Mitchell, is he going to have a 1048 OPS as the season goes on? Probably not. They're, they're going to pitch though. Peralta, Woodruff, Burns. Burns has actually been their worst pitcher in the rotation. He's had an atrocious start. Nine and a third innings pitch. He's given up 10 earned. Tell me that junk with the arbitration offseason didn't have something to do with this. 
It's hard to not yeah. think that like that just changed his mind frame a little bit. Yeah. I know he still wants to go out and pitch well because he still wants to get paid by somebody. But at some point, like when a team does you dirty like that, I want to say does you dirty because that's common with arbitration. But the way Milwaukee went about it, it's like, fuck you guys. Kind of mm-hmm. like, and it just kind of, you're not as engaged. I feel like. I don't know. I, I I'm totally just pulling that out of, out of midair. I don't know if that's how he feels or he just had a bad start, which is probably the case. You mentioned the Cardinals. What do you think of Tyler O'Neill getting publicly benched by trash. manager Ollie Marble? That's trash. Trash. Can't happen. Cannot happen from O'Neill or Marmol. Marmol. Yeah. That cannot happen. Nothing good will come of that. This isn't some rookie who never plays hard and you're trying to like set the tone or this young clubhouse that you're trying to set the rah-rah, set the tone in the clubhouse. What? This is a good team. Tyler O'Neill, regardless of your opinion on the situation, plays his ass off. He's known to be like hair on fire, play hard type player. It's not like this is something he's done multiple times and you go, what are you doing? It's going to create a divide and a disconnection in the clubhouse to the manager's office. That is the last thing you want. Trust me. I played in 2012 with Bobby V with a bunch of good players in Boston and we stunk because everyone hated the manager. Don't do that. I'm not saying that's going to happen there because with Arnado and Goldsmith and those guys, I, they're, they've already washed it clean and for, forgotten about it. But hopefully Marmol learns from that and realizes that is a terrible way to go about business uh, within your clubhouse. Because Tyler O'Neill will never respect him like he used to ever again because you threw him under the bus. And you, ha- you it's your job to protect your players. You can di- you can disagree with them, and you can uh, be pissed at something they did. But yes, you say, Tyler, let's come to my office and let's talk. Close the door. No one knows what's said, and you still get your point across without creating a disconnection and a loss of respect within the clubhouse. You can't have that. can't happen. Period. No one in the public should ever know. If you get no. if you get benched publicly, no did one. Did you watch the know. replay? Did you did you think he did like? No, he looked. To, was he going one hundred and ten percent? Probably not. Was he going ninety five percent? Probably. I, I didn't see probably. anything wrong with what he did. It, it, there, people are saying that when he rounded third base. So here's let me lay out the situation. Balls hit the right field. O'Neill's on second base. He's rounding third and trying to score. Keep in mind, it's a four to one ball game. This one run. Probably isn't going to be the difference in the game, but, you know, teach their own on that. Ronald Acuna comes up throwing. It's a hard hit ball, and he's nailed at home plate by five feet, ten feet. People are saying that he might have, when he rounded third base, not, you know, pushed off third base and and kind of gained velocity as he's rounding the bag. I personally didn't see it. O'Neal's a massive human being. Also, when you're running the bases, sometimes you slow down because your initial thought if you take your eye off the, the the third base coach or you lose sight of him or whatever it may be, you check up just enough because you think he's going to hold you up. You know the arm that's in right field. You have an internal clock and in knowing if I'm going to make this a play or not. And it was probably something inside of him that told him, I'm, I'm dead if I run. He started probably to slow down and then saw he's waving me, so I got to go. So who knows if he went in the dugout and was like pissed at the coach. If anybody Which, should be disciplined or publicly called out, it should be the third base coach who sent a guy and understand there was two outs, but it's a four to one game. 
Yeah, I hate the whole situation. Right? It was a baseball play. There's a lot of variables. He probably checked up a hair just because he knew the situation, probably knew he was – even if he is full, full like, pedal the metal, he's still out, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, regardless of all that, regardless of every detail that we just talked about, Marmol's got to do better. Period. That can't happen. I just don't understand why you make it public. What What yeah, is your – That's what, what I mean. That's like – it just – what is that your incentive? For, what's the incentive for making it public? That makes me think it's personal. Like that, it, when things like that happen that don't happen, it makes me think he just doesn't like him. Yeah. Or a lot of times, if there's a, a like an insecure manager, sometimes this happens. I mean, they're human too. Yeah. There's a question, and then like he's just covering his own ass. But in that situation, that doesn't make sense. So that just makes me think like, does he just not like O'Neill? Like, why else would he do that? Is he trying to set? Maybe he thought it would like fire up the clubhouse, be like, "Oh, let's play hard," because you know, doesn't work like that in the big leagues. These are these are grown men; they're not high school players. You don't have to do that if you can't get fired up to play hard in the big leagues. You shouldn't be there. And this is a guy who plays hard for you every day, mm-hmm. so d- clean it up. Don't do that again. I guarantee he won't do it again. Padres are off to a six and four start. Massive victory over Atlanta on. They took three of four from Atlanta in Atlanta, and the only one that they lost was a walk off by Orlando right. Garcia. Correct. Did you happen to see Manny Machado's ejection in San Diego? Uh, last week here, I'll give you some context. Box running down. Machado's in the box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw seconds. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he put up his hand in the home plate umpire. Don't he put his hand was. up like as it was hitting eight. So it was like right, right at it. Um, He was not granted time. He should have been granted time, number one. His hand went up in time. It was close. Yeah. But the umpire was so locked in on the clock, he probably didn't notice it. You know what I find interesting, though? So according to all of the MLB.com rules and articles, which is what we should be basing this, the the rule on, it says that the hitter must be alert to the pitcher at eight seconds. However, however, a lot of the articles, including CBSSports.com, ESPN, in Bleacher Report, it says that the hitter must be alert to the pitcher by the end of eight seconds. In other words, or like you when have... it, by by the point it turns to seven, right? Yes. So in other words, like if it's counting down eight point zero, that's one second. So by those rules, and again, this is not MLB.com; these are third-party sites, but they're very credible to say the least. I'm going to make this very clear and easy to understand. The umpire messed up. He should have given him time. Manny then being pissed. Would not have been tossed had he not said you're being a douchebag. Yeah. Okay. That's why he wasn't tossed because he, yes, you're not supposed to argue it, but in certain situations when umpires know, like, mm, I might have messed it up, they're probably going to let you argue a little bit just because they're like, I screwed up. Like, I'm, I'm not going to toss you quickly because I deserve this a little bit. But as soon as Manny pointed at him and said, you're being a douchebag, and it was very clear he said that. <laughs> He's gone. And then and then the manager came out and he's like, why'd you toss him? And you see the umpire go, call me a douchebag. <laughs> Bob Melvin's reaction was perfect. He, he, and he was like, he was like, he hunched over like, damn it. All right. Yeah. That, he called yeah, me a douchebag. Yeah. Bob does. It. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was a very Crash Davis. Yeah. Uh, what was the magic word he used in, uh, in Bull Durham? Cocksucker. Cocksucker. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Dodgers are five and five. San Francisco four and five. We talked about Pittsburgh. 
My Miami Marlins are off to a four and six start. We talked about the Twins briefly, and then the oh, Yankees. hold on, Marlins. I got to throw this in. That uh, game Sandy Alcantara threw Alcantara. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, one hour fifty eight minutes. Is that what it was? Fifty seven. Pardon me. One nothing. Right. First game under two hours. It won't be the last one under two hours this year, but that was. I was doing pre and post in Boston and I saw it on Twitter and I was like, Oh my God. At this point, Boston was still playing. They were playing those, like they were scoring at least nine every or nine runs every game. So those games, there was like 20 runs scored total in a couple of those games. And they were like three hours and six minutes, which normally those games would be like four hour plus games. So everyone's like, Oh, it's not working. They're still playing three hour games. I'm like, dude, look how many runs are being scored another day. And, uh, where were they? Detroit. They it was a fourteen to five game, nineteen runs, two hours and thirty eight minutes. Jeez, like it's working. Not to go back to the rules. Go, sorry, go. I just wanted to throw that in there. No, it's interesting. I mean, a game that is a one zero ball game and a CG shutout should end in an hour and fifty seven minutes. It should. Yeah, there's nothing else happening. They're just pitching. <laughs> like like a game that is one zero CG shutout. Lasting three hours is boring as hell. That means the pitcher is taking a sweet ass time in between each and every pitch. Yeah. Play Buckholtz of the world, you know. Dice K. Dice K. Yeah. Oof. Like a game sh- that a game like that should end. I mean, you were probably on the phone with Miami's uh, communications department. Like, hey, you got any openings? Because I do pre and post game. <laughs> no, I can no have another. I could no have chance. another thirty minutes with with my. No girl. one's watching the Miami Marlins pregame show. I was. Whatever. That's one. You're just you just support me. You got any big takeaways before we close up shop here? No, I think it was a great first week. Yeah, I agree. Lots of storylines to follow right now. Which TV is great. Ratings. I'm looking forward to TV ratings. That's gonna be a big indication. Yeah. And I don't I'm not gonna make some big uh note on certain teams, their starts. Like give me 30, 40 games before I do that. I say 40 games, like a month and a half. 40 games is a good benchmark to say this is this is who you got. Give me a seven-game American League Championship Series between Toronto and the Los Angeles Angels. I'm in. Mm. I mean, that was a fun series. Mm. Shohei really Otani, bases loaded, bottom of the 10th inning. 12 to 11 was the score. It was but actually he grounded, to, he grounded the second though, right? He grounded out the second. It was yeah. Trout, then Otani. Three two yeah. count, by the way, to Trout. Trout ended up walking. And then yeah, they no, that, that was I mean, electric series. Trout hit some bombs that series, too. Yeah. He looks it, he looks his twenty. If, if they don't move that uh truck in left center, it's gonna look like a golf ball by the end of the season. Just dimples all in it from him crushing it. Yeah. Amazing. All right, my man, good stuff. Yeah. Speaking of golf. I'm gonna hit the links. I'll let you know what my Enjoy score that. is. If is that the I, shirt? Is that the shirt you're wearing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. I like I, compliments. I think it's perfect for. Is it a is it a button down or is it a polo? Polo. Oh, okay. I, I thought about saying if it's a button down, that's more like go to the like resort style pool, get you a little oh, yeah. Miami Vice with a with a pineapple and an umbrella in it. But if it's just a polo, I'm I'm down for that. I like loud polos. I'll text you my score. It will be over 100. I can guarantee it. Uh, I can't wait. Thank you all for tuning in. Talk to you next time on the Wake and Rake podcast, part of the Believe Network. Peace out, people.